Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Unfortunately, uh, we're not joined by Dad this week, so uh, you've got to deal with just me. I know we've had three weeks or three episodes in a row uh, with Dad at the helm, and uh, I've got to admit they are probably three of the uh, best episodes I think he's ever done. Um you know, I've been very, very happy with it. Um, I'm sure those of you who have looked on Facebook and enjoyed it, um, I have noticed, however, the OK Corral uh, went out without a picture on Facebook. Um, and I do apologize for that. I, for whatever reason, forgot to put one up. And uh, yeah, sorry about that. I do apologize. Um, this week's episode, though, that has gone up as a picture. So, uh, Good luck to those of you who have entered. Um, obviously, this is recorded before I get the results. So, um, for those of you who have got it right, well done. Uh, for those of you who haven't, we are talking about one of the most sadistic and evil women in history. Many of you may have heard of Ilsa Kok. Some of you may know her simply by her nickname, the Bitch of Birkenwald. But before we get into those stories, we have a couple of reviews that we've had over the last couple of weeks. Uh, firstly, I want to say thank you to Kira, because her review says thank you from Kira. Uh, a five-star review, absolutely fantastic. Uh, it says, I am a marine biologist and I listen to this podcast every week while sat at my microscope. Super interesting and informative. Thank you, Kira. So, Thank you very much. Really, really appreciate that. I hope you are on the Facebook group. If you're not, get yourselves over there and uh, you can join in with the competition for this week. The next one is a another British review. It's from E. 
Boin, B-O-I-A-N, not exactly sure how to pronounce that, uh, eboin61, five-star uh, quality pod, uh, love listening to this informative podcast quality presentation. Um, I must admit, I'm quite impressed with that, uh, I do get, uh, if I've ever had a bad review, it's normally to do with the presentation, so uh to get a five-star review on that, fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, if you guys want to leave me a review, get your review shout-out, then uh, get yourselves onto the iTunes app um, and put them up there. For some reason, I don't always get them if they go on to other sites. So I believe you can leave a review on things like Amazon Podcasts and things like that. Um, I don't always get those. So if you do want to leave me a review on those, if you can do me a favor, screenshot your review and send it into the podcast. You can send it in via email to twihpod at gmail.com. Um, or you can send it in to me on Facebook. Either way, we can read those out. So thank you very much, guys. Um, I encourage all of you to put in a review. So if you've, you want to do one, that'd be fantastic. And it really, really helps the podcast grow. So thank you for that. Get over to Facebook. Join us on there as well. Um, for those of you who are interested, get over to patreon.com. Um, I plug it every week because it is the main way that helps my podcast grow. Um, so if you can get over to Patreon, you can afford $5 a month. I know things are a bit tough at the moment in, uh, well, all over the bloody world at the moment. So, um, this is where I really, really appreciate, uh, those Patreon subscribers, uh, just that little bit more. Um, because you, like I said, you guys uh, are the ones that keep this podcast going. So thank you very much, guys. And if you do want to support the show um, for for five dollars a month, get over to patreon.com forward slash This Week in History. Join us there. The biggest advantage to this, guys, is you don't have to listen to those adverts because I know they can be really distracting, and I know they can take away from the middle of the story. You know, you get right into the story, and all of a sudden, there's an advert for you. So it will get rid of that. You don't have the adverts over on Patreon. But without further ado, we shall get on with the show. Listener discretion is advised with this show. It is not one for the faint-hearted. Ilsa Cock was... Well, you don't get the nickname the Bitch of Birkenwald for nothing. She was born in Dresden in Germany. Uh, her maiden name was Margaret Ilsa Koller. For all intents and purposes, Margaret Ilse Collar was a normal child. Uh, her father was a labourer, her mother was a housewife. She was brought up in a normal family um, pre, no, post World War I. Um, Germany as a country struggled quite drastically after the First World War. Um, and she was just brought up as a normal human being. And I, I say that because once we get into it you probably wouldn't see her as a human being um but she was just a normal girl she was quite friendly quite popular um her neighbors and friends described her as quite a funny child you know n not the type of child that you would assume goes into a life that she did she was a working class girl she learnt from her mother how to raise a house you know how to do the cooking the cleaning um things like that things that a normal girl of the 1920s 1930s would learn um at 15 years old she took a job at a cigarette factory 
again just a normal job for a normal child or normal person at this point um she started working as a bookkeeper she did a bookkeeping course an accountancy course um, and then graduated to getting a job as a bookkeeper um from this she then decided to join along with many other millions of germans the nazi party this movement that was rife through germany uh, at the start of the 1930s now the nazi party had a few problems at the start um they had a lot more problems at the end the nazi party sort of how do i put this appealed to the german populace Germany was very harshly dealt a bad hand at the end of the First World War. And when we look back as historians at the First World War, we as British, um, probably Americans and French, lay the sole point of the First World War solely at the Germans' feet. German and, Germany, Austria and Hungary. And when we look back and look at uh, certain aspects throughout history... This probably isn't the case. Um, this is probably, I would say, a 50-50 when we look at uh, certain aspects throughout the First World War um, and reasons for the First World War. One of the main reasons for the First World War was Britain's inability to allow any expansion into North Africa um, and wouldn't allow Germany to create a navy that could rival Britain. Going a little bit off topic there, but the the fact is that the war in Europe was an amalgamation of things, but the, the blame was placed solely on Germany. And at the end of the First World War, the Treaty of Versailles dealt German Germany and German people a very bad hand. And Germany had to deal with that for the next few decades. And unfortunately, in times of public strife, as we found in Germany and found through many countries across the world that far-right or far-left-wing politicians tend to gather more momentum when countries are struggling because the run-of-the-mill politics don't seem to be working. And this was definitely the case in Germany in the 1930s. The run-of-the-mill politics weren't working. The Chancellor in Germany wasn't doing a very good job. At one point in Germany, it cost 3 million Deutschmark for a loaf of bread. Now, can you imagine paying $3 million or three million pounds for a loaf of bread? And this was purely because they decided to print more money to solve the problem, and it didn't work. There was no end in sight to the German problem that they were having. And along comes this party that vows to put German people first, put the jobs back into the market, create new pride in Germany and give the people what they wanted. Give the people this real sense of, you know, yes, we lost the First World War, but you should be proud to be German. You should be happy of where you come from. This is a fantastic country and and we shouldn't be on our knees and this is where the nazi party or what they were known as the national socialist party um, where they came from they started as a political party that appealed to the working man 
or in this case, the working woman. Now, Hitler, when he became leader of the Nazi party, he made it pretty clear um, what his intentions were. The biography Mein Kampf, for those of you who haven't read it, um, he made it very clear where he stands. Um, I suppose at the time, a lot of people probably didn't believe that that was the truth. Um, you know, there are a lot of books out there now where people have written books and people laugh at those books. You know, um, I'm a big fan, or not a big fan of, but uh, I'm a big reader of uh, George Soros's book, which is The Great Reset, for those of you who haven't read that. Um, and people look at that and go, well, that's a joke. It's, it's rubbish. It's not true. It can't happen. Um, well, Hitler wrote a book and everyone said the same thing. It's not true. It won't happen. And it did. But Ilsa was drawn in by an aspect of the National Socialist Party or the Nazi Party that Hitler definitely had a big part to play in. And that was the creation of an Aryan race, a pure German race. Um, and she also bought into the anti-Semitism. Um, this was rife in Germany. Um during the Second World War or prior to the Second World War, uh, Hitler and the Nazi Party placed the blame of the First World War solely at the feet of the Jewish people. And a lot of Germans bought into this and believed that because the Jew, the Jewish people or the Jewish population caused the problems on the First World War, um, that they were to blame. So the anti-Semitism in Germany was beyond recognition. When she joined the Nazi party, she met her soon-to-be husband, a man named Karl, Karl Koch. Um, for those of you who are giggling at this, because I'm sure some of you have, it's K-O-C-H, okay, Koch, but uh, I can't pronounce it in a German word all the time, so I'm going to say Koch. I think that's more accurate, to be honest. Karl was a petty criminal. He had convictions for theft. He was a police informant. Um, and he also, you know, joined joined the Nazi party at a young age. Um, he was about nine years older than Ilsa. Um, the couple were married in 1936. And Karl was awarded um, as an officer in the SS. Neither Ilsa or Karl had ever grown up with anything worth having. And now, Ilsa was married to an SS officer. Alright, an SS officer who wasn't your average SS officer. But nonetheless, they had an opportunity where they could make a name for themselves. Make themselves rich. Something that they'd never experienced in their life before. Karl Koch was given a job as a prison warden in Berlin. He specialised in certain types of humiliation and torture. Um, he made prisoners um, sit in dog cages and eat out of bowls as a, as a punishment. When he would walk past, the prisoners were told to bark. If they didn't bark, they were... Um, well, they were they were tortured. They were given uh, a rod filled with black tar, shoved up there behind. Um, this was just some of his torture methods for people who didn't 
didn't follow the rules. This sadistic torture that Karl was known for caught the eye of the Nazi party. And they believed that his special skill set would be used better housing the enemy of the state or the enemy of the Nazi party as well we now know are the Jewish population prisoners of war gays uh, Romany gypsies the French pretty much anyone that they didn't particularly like and they were given the keys to Birkenwald prison or Birkenwald concentration camp sorry the the weird thing with this story is they weren't actually just handed a concentration camp. No, no, no. They were essential in the building of the concentration camp. They built it to their specifications. They built it the way they wanted it. And I say they because it was at the start, both of them, it was the husband and wife. Ilsa was not put off by her husband's brutality. In fact, was one of the things she loved about him the most. Above the prison was a sign, very much like in Auschwitz, which said, Arbeit macht frei, which is work makes you free. Above Birkenwald, it said, Jardem das Sein, which translates to, to each his own. This basically meant everybody gets what's coming to them. Birkenwald ended up being the largest concentration camp that the Third Reich had. There were no gas chambers at Birkenwald. There was no easy way of killing people quickly and on a mass scale. Birkenwald was used as slave labour to create property and armaments for the Third Reich and for Hitler's movements. Prisoners in Birkenwald on average, lived a couple of years. This is, you know, it sounds bad, but in comparison to places like Auschwitz, where the life expectancy was around three months, it was probably a better place to be. Um, you were a slave, but you were not, uh, you, were, you were possibly not going to die, especially not uh, in the horrific gas chamber way. Ilsa wanted a mansion built on the site of on the concentration camp site. This was to be built to her specifications, and she was supposed to be a normal German housewife. However, she had an ample amount of slaves. So why should she have to lift a finger? She had people to do that for her. She had people to cook and clean and change the linen and things like that. She didn't have to do the work herself. So, she didn't. She wasn't a normal German housewife. She was sadistic with this, and she made everybody, or, or the prisoners, address her as Gnidga Frau. In other words, it would be similar to Duchess or Lady uh, in, in Britain. Not something that you would call a nasty wife. But if you didn't call her that, there was some punishments, obviously. As I'm sure you can imagine, life in a concentration camp for a housewife who isn't doing any housework can get quite boring. So she instructed the labourers in the camp to build her 
a sports arena. So she could do equestrian or horse riding, which is what her passion was. She had a passion for horse riding and the equestrian art. This was done at quite a substantial cost. It cost around 200,000 Deutschmark, uh, or they called them Reichmarks at the time, but the Deutschmark, the German currency. Um, this was the equivalent of around a million dollars today. Not a cheap thing to build. But again, there's only so much you can do before you get bored. You know, they can't ride horses 24 hours a day and you've got no housework to do. So what are you going to do? Well, she found her own way of entertainment. There was a rule at the camp that if any man was to lay eyes upon the wife of the commanding officer, i.e. Ilsa Cock, they were to be shot dead. There was no ifs, buts, or maybes. You look at her, you got shot. So she took advantage of this. She walked around the camp quite regularly in very tight clothing. She would show her cleavage, show her legs, show a lot more skin than a 1930s, 1940s woman would ever imagine doing. And she did it to get the attention of the men in the camp just so they could be shot dead. She relished the killing of these men. In fact, she relished it that much that it wasn't just that that was, if that wasn't bad enough, she would regularly take a group of men who have been living in a camp for a long, long time, I probably haven't had sex for a long, long time. And she would strip them naked. She would then take all her clothes off, go down to her lingerie, and stand or lay in front of these men. If any of them were to look at her, they were shot dead. If any of them were to uncontrollably get what men get when they think of naked women they were shot dead. Even if they didn't look at her, the thought of her having that much control over someone's life, whether they lived or died, just by a simple glance at a semi-naked woman, that's where she got her kicks. This didn't stop at just the yard. The same rule applied in the mansion. If someone looked at her in the mansion... They were also grounds to be killed. So she took advantage. She specifically asked for teenage boys to work in the mansion. Teenage boys who'd probably never even seen a naked woman before. Teenage boys who, let's be honest gentlemen, we've all been there, have zero control over their arousal. And she would ask them to bring their dinner or breakfast in bed where she would be laying in lingerie or a nighty or possibly even naked and these men same as outside they have a look they're dead they get aroused they're dead she had that much control over people's lives um in fact there was a man named eric hirsch who uh was actually worked at the Koch mansion uh when he was 15 um, he was one of the few that survived and 
he tells a story of the fact that this mansion was so close to the outskirts of the camp that you could see the people in the town just going around their normal lives and people who were completely oblivious to what was actually going on inside the camp and it made him wonder as a a 15 year old boy why why he wasn't so sick of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 dollars more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky. She actually used to feed him two boiled potatoes, uh, which he would eat on his way back to his uh, his bed uh, in the camp. And he said he himself, he didn't like the skin of the potatoes. So he would take the skin off and throw it on the floor. When he threw it on the floor, there were fights in these camps over the skins of the potatoes. Okay, so this just gives you a bit of an idea of how starving the people were in Birkenwald. They would literally fight over potato skins. Ilsa, as I'm sure you can imagine from her boredom, uh, was starting to get bored of just teasing men to their deaths. And in every German concentration camp, there were medical experiments that were performed on the Jewish inmates not not just Jewish inmates but predominantly the Jewish inmates these experiments normally ended up in the death of the patient now these in this particular camp sorry the experiments were essentially to try and turn gay people straight with a mixture of poisons and concoctions that were medically tried to I don't know I don't I don't really know much about it all I know is that they essentially poisoned men to turn them straight obviously that's not how it works so was it was it a case of them trying to to turn them straight or was it a case of them just trying to get rid of them? Um, nonetheless, Ilsa noticed these experiments and wanted to wanted to watch them. You know, it wasn't enough for her just to tease these men into dying. Now she wanted to actually watch them die in extreme pain. And she rode her horse through the camp and noticed a lot of the men were tattooed. They had a lot of different different types of tattoos, much like they do today. And she approached the doctor, uh, Eric Wagner, and said to him, I wonder if there's a correlation between tattoos and criminal behavior. 
I think you need to do some experiments on the prisoners with tattoos. Now, if that's not bad enough, she's now singling out people with tattoos to be experimented on and, and be killed. There was no there was no real end to this. The the test would kill the the person involved. So they were t- they were killed, they were dissected and the skin of these victims was sent to Ilsa. Yeah, that's right. You heard it. The skin. She would walk through the camp, find a group of men, ask them to strip, walk between the men, and personally select the ones with the best tattoos. These men would be killed and skinned, and that skin ended up in her mansion in the form of lampshades, bedsheets, and book covers. In fact, she actually used this skin as Christmas gifts for other Nazi members and leaders. She would get the Jewish inmates to take the skin of probably their friends and bound them onto books as book covers, as leather book covers that were made with human leather rather than cow's leather. And these books were then sent to other German officers and uh, members of the Nazi party as Christmas presents. There was also a rumour that she would use other human body parts around her house. Um, Door handles made out of human fingers and light switches made out of thumbs. Just real sick things that that she would use around her house she kept human organisms like hearts and livers in trophy cases um and yeah just really sick i mean some of the you can see some of the pictures of some of the things that were actually taken from her house and you can see some of the lampshades that actually have the tattooed skin around the lampshade there were rumours that Ilsa Koch was sleeping with one of the doctors at the camp um, and another one of the SS officers there. Um, we don't know whether these rumours are true, but we do know that Karl Koch got syphilis. Now, it was believed that uh, he caught it from her when she got it from, from sleeping around. In fact, he was that embarrassed that he caught syphilis the man who gave him the news was actually executed. Uh, he didn't want this story getting out. Unfortunately, it did. But um, he wanted all the evidence of his wife's transgressions chalked from history. There is a suggestion that they had an open relationship, but I'm not sure exactly how true that is. In 1942, they were both arrested uh, they were arrested by the Nazi party. Um, they were arrested for misuse of funds. Obviously, they spent 200,000 Deutschmark on pretty much an Olympic-grade horse arena. Totally not necessary for the camp. They were looked into, and they were also arrested for their human experiments. And I know that sounds really strange because we are well aware of the human experiments that the Nazis did. Uh, 
But in this instance, they were not justified. They Nazis always tried to justify their belief system. They always tried to justify the experiments that they were putting people through. Um, and the justification was normally uh, that the Aryan race was superior or that uh, disabled people were inhuman. There was always an end goal to the experiments. Essentially, they were just looking for an excuse to justify the mass genocide that they were creating. And if they could find an excuse, then maybe they would be looked favorably upon in human history. I believe that if they could have, let's say, for example, found a cure for cancer or a way of making humans fly or something stupid like that, then they would have tried to justify the murder of millions of people by saying, well, this is what happened, but look at what we did create. Um, What is not justified, unfortunately, for, for Ilsa was you can't just kill people because you want to see what their tattoos would look like as a lampshade that's that's not justified and it's not justified in the nazis eyes which i found quite strange i didn't realize that they had quite strict rules on their genocide but it um it wasn't justified and it obviously none of it is justified i just want to get that out there none of what the nazis did was justified um but this in particular was even the nazis were disgusted by what was going on in birkenwald they were put in prison karl and ilsa for two years till 1944 and in 1944 they went to trial now ilsa was very manipulative you've got to remember 1940s anywhere in the world not just germany women did not have a say especially not the same way that a man did and a woman like ilsa was very very manipulative she was able to manipulate men to do whatever she wanted unfortunately for carl this was not an excuse didn't matter how manipulative ilsa was he was the commanding officer and when it went to court in 1944 she was relieved of all charges they said it wasn't her fault that she's manipulative it was the leader of the camp carl cock was sentenced to death he was shot by firing squad a year later in 1945 and ilsa walked free she showed no remorse even though it was her actions that sent her husband to death. Elsa went back to a normal life in Germany with her three children and didn't really pay any attention to what happened to her husband or, or even her transgressions at Birkenwald Prison. That year, we know the war ended and American troops liberated Birkenwald, setting the prisoners free. When they liberated the, the camp, they went into the mansion. They found all of her little trinkets. They found her skin wrapped around lampshades and other household items. They found shrunken heads on dinner tables and hearts put in glass cabinets. And they listened to the stories of the people who were in Birkenwald. And they issued a warrant for her arrest. And 
she was arrested again by the Americans. Ilsa was tried for crimes against humanity. During her trial, she claimed that all the skin that was found was lamb skin or goat skin, and that the trinkets that were found were not not human remains. This obviously contradicted all the testimony from men who come out of Birkenwald prison. Men who said, well, actually, it was my job to make this lampshade. It was my job to make these book covers. These were definitely human skin. Now, you would think with this substantial evidence and there being a war case going on and her being a pretty bad criminal that she would be sentenced to death like so many Germans were. Unfortunately for the Americans, they dropped the ball on this one. They said there was no evidence to suggest that Ilsa had ordered these items to be made and any evidence was just hearsay. There was no actual physical evidence, only the testimony of the people who were there. Now, to me, a few hundred people, even ten people, telling you the same story it should be enough to convict but the americans decided that no there's not enough evidence and we can only convict her of four years hard labor so that's what she did while she was in prison in 1947 she had a baby uh, from another german um inmate i don't know whether he was an ss officer or whether he was just uh, uh, just a soldier but Regardless, she had an, another child. His name was U, which was U-W-E, I believe, or U-E-W. Um, that was her son. Uh, he was taken away from her, obviously, straight away, and she served four years in a prisoner camp. And after that, she was released. Now, you would think that would be the end of the story, but it was not. The Germans were, undoubtedly, not happy with the decision from the Americans. They were not happy that she was only given four years when other Nazi criminals who were probably not, I would say probably not as bad. There were some that were executed that were not as bad as what she was. I mean, she was sadistic, brutal. She preyed on young, innocent boys and rev relished in them getting murdered and she was set free essentially she did four years hard labor and she was allowed to walk but germany wasn't finished with her she was put on trial when she got back to west germany and she was sentenced to life in prison so she had three trials and all three she was uh well two out of the three sorry she was sentenced but the third one in her own country, she was sentenced to life in prison. Now, there was one man who testified on her behalf in all three trials. His name was Dr. Morgan. And this is what he said. He said, bearing in mind this is on her behalf, by the way. He said, she was a hussy who rode horseback in sexy underwear in front of the prisoners and then noted down for punishment the numbers of those who looked at her. She lay around in her garden in front of prisoners, simply primitive. But 
She had nothing to do with the lampshade business, and she did not deserve such a draconic punishment. She was a victim of horror stories. He basically said that, yeah, she she had something to do with them getting killed, but she had nothing to do with keeping all the trinkets after they died. I mean... I don't buy the lampshades in my house. Um, I'm pretty sure Carl Cock didn't make the lampshades in his house. I mean, I'm not saying it's a woman's job to to do the soft furnishings, but I would say a majority of houses across the world, the women buy the soft furnishings. You know, my wife is so much better at decorating, but I think if she came home with a skin lampshade... Yeah, I, I'm not buying that she was a victim of a horror story. Um, she was the horror story. You know, what she did was unacceptable. Just, I don't think unacceptable even covers it. I don't even think it's a strong enough adjective to cover what she did. It was just despicable. Elsa had three children that were brought up in the concentration camp. All three of them were too young to have anything to do with what went on. They had no knowledge of it um, and certainly weren't uh, involved in any of the process. Her youngest son, when he grew up, found out how much people hated his family um, and he couldn't deal with the shame of it and, and actually killed himself. Her daughters grew up, got married, changed their names and tried as best as they could to distance themselves from the Koch family name. But Ooh, the child who was born in the prison, well, he had a bit of a bad upbringing. He was passed around from pillar to post and foster home to foster home until he decided at 19 years old he wanted to find out who his parents really were. And he found out he found out that his mother was Ilsa Koch and she was in prison serving a life sentence for all the tragedy and horror that she caused during the Second World War. And he made a decision to go and see his mum and try and get some sort of a relationship. This is a, a young lad who's never had a family and now wants to try and have a normal one, if possible. Ooh visited his mother on a few occasions and built some sort of a relationship with her. He knew that she was a head of a concentration camp. She was not innocent in any way, shape or form. But he didn't believe that she was capable of the horrors that they were accusing her of. Whether he didn't want to believe or whether he genuinely believed her, we'll never know. But he did enough to convince himself that there's a possibility that she's innocent. She convinced him to try and get a lawyer to overturn the case or at least reopen the case, get it looked into. No one else would talk to Ilsa Koch. No one else wanted anything to do with the woman. 
she, her last chance was her son. And she used all her manipulation skills to get him to try and sort out her life. This failed. And in 1967, she was 61 years old. And she realized that that was it. She was going to spend the rest of her life in prison. No one was going to help her. And she tied her bed sheets together. And she hung herself in the prison in 1967. And that is the story of the bitch of Birkenwald, Ilsa Cock. Um, like I said, quite a brutal story. Um, it's one that I've heard about before before doing it it was one that i actually wanted to get out just before halloween but we had the uh the okay corral from my dad which i thought was a fantastic episode and i didn't really want to wait for that so i thought i'll do this one the following week um yeah i i'm not really sure with this episode there's not really much to say um we know the nazis how they they dealt with what they did she, I think, escaped justice, if I'm honest. Um, I know she was sentenced to a life in prison, but she wasn't sentenced when she should have been. She should have been sentenced in 1942. She should have died alongside her husband. Um, but when you're doing experiments, when you are killing innocent people, and even the Nazis turn around and say, Hang on a minute, you shouldn't be doing that. That's that's inhumane. The Nazis, by the way, the group of people that managed to murder 6 million innocent Jewish people and gas them to death said that this woman and what she was doing was wrong. Just imagine how bad she actually was that even the Nazis thought she was bad. I mean... I don't, I can't imagine how that even, I, I can't put it into words, if I'm honest, thinking about it, that she was that bad. Um, Yeah, she definitely earned the name, the bitch of Birkenwald. Horrific story. And I hope no one has nightmares from, from hearing this, because it's not good. And like I said, if you have got the stomach for it, the pictures of the trinkets that were taken out of her house are still online. You can still find them. Um, I believe you can find the footage of her trial, um, which the Americans uh, did, where she was obviously sentenced to four years. Um, and look at her face. There's no emotion there. She's not bothered. In fact, she's more angry than she is bothered. You know, there's just no remorse and... You know, to pry on people the way she did is uh, despicable. So I I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I hope you've learned something from this episode. Um, maybe this is a story you knew. Maybe it's a story you had no idea. Um, maybe it's a story now you wish you didn't know. But uh, unfortunately, there we go. That is the, the story for you. So, um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed. If you did enjoy it, 
then leave me a comment. Leave me a, a five-star review. Get yourselves over there. Get onto it. Uh, leave me a review. Get onto Patreon. Get onto Facebook. I'm not going to go into any more than that. I, you know, you, you've heard the spiel at the beginning, but yeah, anything like that does really, really support the show. So thank you very much for listening, guys, and we shall see you next week. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.